Welcome to the Enterprise Ireland Net Zero UK podcast. This podcast forms a part of Enterprise Ireland's Net Zero UK Ready for a Green Future campaign, a campaign which aims to inform you about the UK's transition to a net zero economy and the impact this transition will have on Irish exporters. In January 2019, the UK government announced their Maritime 2050 Strategic Plan, which outlined the UK's ambitions for a zero emissions, clean maritime sector by 2050. Since then, UK ports have been implementing net zero route maps and sustainability initiatives aimed at helping the industry reach that 2050 zero emissions target. I am Jack Cunahan, the Ports and Logistics Sector Lead for Enterprise Ireland UK. And today I am joined by Lewis McIntyre, Managing Director of Port Services at Peel Ports. Thank you for joining us today, Lewis. Welcome, thank you. Firstly, could you give us a bit of background uh, as to your role at, P- at Peel Ports? Yes, so I'm a Managing Director of uh, Port Services. So what that entails is a, essentially the back office functions of the, uh, the operation. So things like planning, procurement, environmental utilities, um, HR, um, a whole range of services really to make sure that our business can continue to uh, thrive and, and move forward. And could you give us an overview of Peel Ports' committed targets for reaching net zero carbon? Yes, so we've recently, in fact, it was last week, um, announced that we're going to net zero by 2040. We've spent a great deal of time um, understanding our emissions and where we can influence in the timelines that go alongside that. Also taking into account our key stakeholders, so our shareholders, the local authorities that we work in. So we, we touch around sort of 25 local authorities in the UK to ensure that we kind of are aligned with those and the countries that we operate. So Ireland, Scotland and England and um, to really get to a position of then understanding that 2040 was the, the best target for us. And um, one of the key goals uh, within that commitment that, that I noticed is procuring services and goods based on reducing the carbon footprint criteria. Could you tell us a little bit more about what this would mean for your supply chain partners? Yeah, so we're really now starting to work with supply chain partners. Last year, we launched a sustainable charter. We've asked our supply chain to move forward in looking at whole life costs, reducing energy input and making sure it's sourced from an ethical um, place. So we're now starting to work with some of our plant and equipment providers um, to look at uh, renewable fuels for the plant and equipment, such as um, Green D or HVO, sort of vegetable oil type product, um, and also look at how we can start to look at trials around um, battery powered um, equipment or um, hydrogen. So we're starting to say, could this be a hydrogen powered plant rather than uh, than the sort of a, a general red diesel type operation? So we've now, you know, really starting to go on the trial and push forward with the supply chain of how do we solve this problem of getting to net zero. The, the other interesting thing I'd probably mention, Jack, is that we have uh, teamed up with Carbon Limiting Technologies. And what we're doing there is a sort of an aid to our um, supplier network is actually coming up with some issues that we've got in the, in the, uh, the ports and then asking them sort of a university type question of how do we try and reduce this? They go away, they scour the market for solutions, including universities and startup companies to then come back and say to us, here's here's a sort of a sift of um, what's around the world and what could potentially be a solution for you. And then we then did a sort of dragon's den exercise of sitting down with three or four people 
understanding what they think the solution is and then working through to a concept into then sort of delivery um, and, and taking it forward on that basis. And just to touch on digital solutions, how important will the role of digital solutions be in helping peel ports achieve those tar targets that you mentioned? I mean, in terms of um, automation, is that what you mean around digital solutions? Yeah, automation, I mean, it's quite interesting. So in China, there's been some uh, work done to automate a port entirely. And they found that actually, even by reducing the speed of um, the plant and equipment, they can get more productivity. So I think, you know, automation has got a part to play in terms of, not only in terms of the environment, but also around safety and actually making the ports a safer place to be. So the more you can reduce the interaction of people and plant, clearly the better. Um, but from a, a, a operating procedure point of view and an environmental point of view, then I think obviously automation does help massively in the sense that, you know, you haven't got the fluctuations of say acceleration, deacceleration, the wear and tear can be more consistent because you're, you're going on a very automated driving style than a sort of individual driving style. So I think there is, um, certainly areas to look at and how we could improve um, on that basis. You mentioned also previously um, the removal of rebated diesel and that that being a driver towards looking at more sustainable uh, fuel options. How does that removal and, and that policy affect the port, port operations? So, I mean, predominantly across the UK, you've got um, red diesel subsidies across all the UK ports. And therefore, you know, that is probably half the price of white diesel in the UK. So you're looking at a substantial increase in terms of fuel costs um, coming into the ports. Now, what we've got to do is look at, um, rather than just saying, well, the, the alternative is white diesel with no rebate and an additional cost base, we need to start looking at long-term sustainable solution to that of how do we start to electrify our plants and equipment? How do we get to a situation of it being cleaner and better air quality for the local communities as well? So one of the things that we started on actually when we built L2 in Liverpool is rather than having diesel back cranes was to go electric. And that sort of sustainability mentality has been in the organization for the last 10 years to really start thinking about some of these issues. You mentioned as well, so the net zero goal for Peel Ports is net zero by 2040. Why was uh, 2040 considered, given that we've seen a lot of targets come through that have been to, say, within the wider shipping industry, half uh, emissions by 2050, or a wider UK target of, of 2050. Why was 2040 considered important for Peel Ports? 2040 was really important. Um, predominantly, if you look at the sort of key stakeholders in terms of local authorities, where we are, they're, they're around um, late 2030s, 2040. So take Liverpool, for instance, the combined authority 2040. Um, so you can start to build a picture of you're ahead of government, you're pretty local to the, the stakeholders in terms of combined authorities or local councils. And then you then go, right, from a customer base, what's the customers doing. So the British Retail Consortium, um, so the likes of IKEA, um, you've got Tesco's, you've got other major brands in the UK that are now saying, look, we want to be net zero by 2040. Their goods will come in through the ships into our ports, into the supply chain in the UK. Therefore, it's very important that we align with the, Brit the British Retail Consortium. Um, and hitting that target of 2040, because we are a key component of that supply chain.
to kind of drill into the, the supply chain idea just a little bit further, how important is it for you and, and, and your targets that your supply chain partners are aligning to Peelports' new net zero objectives and strategy? And further to that, what does a good supplier look like in this regard? A good supplier for us is someone who is actually bringing forward the innovation and looking for collaboration to move forward, um, looking at good ideas of how we can cut our emissions in terms of scope one and scope two, but also how we can then sort of directly affect scope three, which is where they would be in, um, to really support the end journey all the way through. So, you know, if we can, we can address ours um, and they can address theirs, we can then partner together to push it forward. So... We're very keen to uh, to hear off our supply chain in terms of how they can support us, uh, not only reduce our emissions, but how we can sort of drive that through the, the, the value chain. And then finally, what would you say to supply chain companies who don't consider decarbonisation to be important to the sector? I think it's a uh, it's a huge market opportunity, you know, given given where the world is with COP26 and what's going on in terms of environmental effects. Um, across the world in terms of weather and climate is that it's a uh, competitive advantage. You know, businesses and they got this very firmly in their agenda. They are seeking to push this um, very, very quickly. And therefore, if you're in a situation where you can show that competitive advantage and show that you are in a situation of improving or, or taking a solution to the customer, um, you've got to be in a, in a good position. And I think that the so the flip side of that is if you're not, um, you're clearly at a disadvantage. That's great, Lewis. Thanks very much for joining us and thanks so much for those insights. Really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Thank you for joining Enterprise Ireland's Net Zero UK podcast. For more insight into UK Net Zero trends, follow our Enterprise Ireland UK LinkedIn and Twitter pages or visit our Global Ambition website. If you're an Enterprise Ireland client and you would like to learn more about how Enterprise Ireland can help your company on the journey to net zero, speak to your development advisor or visit www.enterprise-ireland.com.